how blessed we are to have so many kids in our church, isn't it? It's wonderful to see it. I get actually very emotional. Every Sunday I come and I see them coming out here so excited to their activities. It's, it's a privilege we have, and let's never take this for granted. They are the future of our church, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as I was saying, the grown-ups, us, will be learning more about Psalm 1, Psalm number 1 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's read together Psalm number 1. I'm going to read the full verse, the, full, the, the six verses in Psalm number 1. So Psalm number 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he, he prospers. The wicked are, are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And we ask God to bless the reading of his word to our hearts. And this is a very well-known psalm, I'm aware, in... It's natural, it's absolutely natural to read or hear this psalm and to think of ourselves, right? Here, some suppose, is a description of how God will reward us if we do good and punish us if we sin. God is offering us a deal. Do right and you'll be blessed. Or sin and suffer the consequences. In seeking to be blessed, we fortify ourselves for the task ahead. We will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We will not stand in the path of sinners. We will not sit in the seat of the scornful. Rather, we will meditate upon the law of God day and night. Then God will bless us. Then we shall prosper. And it's absolutely natural to look at the psalm in this way. But I must say that's, that's not accurate. That's, that's wrong. And if, if we don't understand the first of the psalms, how then we will understand all the rest, my friends? So let us test our theory here, okay? Let us consider someone as though it is written to, for, and about us directly. And let's see together what kind of trouble that gets us into. Because... Make no mistake, my friends. If this psalm is about me or you, we are in trouble. That's the reality here. Blessed is the man. The psalm begins, blessed is the man. And what follows then must be God's formula for blessing, right? 
How may you or I become that blessed person? What must we do? And the answer is simple. The answer is profound. And the answer is all-encompassing. The blessing of God is first made, is first made contingent, contingent on what a man does not do. On the counsel he avoids. And the company on which he turns his back. So have a look in verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So do you wish to be blessed of God? Then do not take advice for those, from those who are ungodly. Do not call good what they call good. And do not receive as wisdom what they offer as wisdom. Do not take your place among sinners. Or you will surely become identified with them. Do not sit in the midst as one who, like them, mocks the way of God and scoffs at the idea that God will one day come in judgment. Avoid, avoid all such things if you wish to be blessed. And you also hear the momentum in this description here that's very interesting. First we speak of walking. Then of standing, and then of sitting down. So it goes from activity to inactivity to capitulation or giving up. And my friends, as we become more tangled up in sin, we struggle less and less. And at last, we just give up the battle. We give up entirely and take our seat among those who mock the ways of God and love wickedness. We become indistinguishable from them. But if we receive the blessing of God, we cannot be dragged down in, by this spiral of apostasy and sin. We must stand firm against it all. Though the whole world should be sinful, yet we will stand against them and be righteous. Though all should mock the Lord God, yet we will be faithful and true. And if we are unclear about how, just how faithful we must be, other Psalms will teach us. Other Psalms will help us. Psalm 106 verse 3 will say, Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Blessed are those who way, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. So are you up to the task? Are you up to the task, my brothers and sisters? 
Are you able to be blameless and to be righteous at all times? Then by your unceasing vigilance and manifest perfection, you will earn the favor of God and merit heavenly rewards. Then you will be the blessed man spoken of in this psalm. Or are you exhausted? Absolutely overwhelmed? Weighted down and despondent? When you think of how much is required to be acceptable in God's sight. You realize that you yourself have taken the advice of the wicked. You yourself have stood among sinners, indistinguishable from them. You yourself have taken the seat among those who behave as though this world is all that matters. In judgment, they will never come and your secret sense will never be discovered. Or to put it more briefly, you yourself have sat in the seat of the scornful. So again, if this psalm is about you and me, we are in serious trouble here. So what then is to be done? And I will ask you for some patience. Because we're going to make this problem worse before we make it better. Let us expose still further the trouble we are in. We have heard what the blessed man must avoid, right? Now let's hear what he must do. Verse 2. Let's go back to verse 2. But his delight, as the song that the kids just sang, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And it sounds like a simple enough task at first, right? But let's consider the law of which the psalmist speaks is the same law that God gave on Mount Sinai in the days of Moses. And around that mountain, there was thunder and lightning, which spoke of the wrath of God against sin. And God decreed that any man who so much as touched the mountain should be stoned to death. And even if an animal touched the mountain, it should be killed. So how can we delight in such terrifying law? How can we delight in such terrifying law? Surely the law speaks of great blessing to those who keep it. But it also speaks of the terrible wrath of God against those who break it. And the wrath was symbolized by thunder and lightning and smoke and fear of death. And ultimately, 
The wrath that comes to lawbreakers is the torment of hell itself. Eternal separation from God. So again, how can we delight in such terrifying law? Are we better than the Israelites who first heard it and trembled in fear? And they heard the law. They knew the law, but they disobeyed it. And so they wandered in the desert for 40 years. 40 years outside the promised land. They disobeyed God and they died outside it. Are we better than they? Do we not read that even Moses himself displeased God and so died without ever setting foot in the promised land? Are we better than Moses? But the next generation, they, they enter the land, right? They managed to enter the land. Led by the great Joshua. They went in and conquered, delighting the law of the God, the, the law of God. Perhaps we, we may be like them. But the Lord exhorted Joshua and the people. And he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. And listen, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. It was a marvelous and beautiful offer. Quite similar to the psalm we, we read today. So the children of Israel had a formula for prosperity, endless delight in meditation on the law of God. But the Bible tells us that they also sinned. They also stopped in delighting in the law of God. And Moses even predicted at the end of his life in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31 verse 29, he said to the people, For I know that after my death, you will surely act corruptly, turning aside from the way that I have commanded you. In time to come, trouble will befall you, because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. And the people fulfilled Moses' grim prediction. After the death of Joshua, they turned away and served other gods. They were devoted to idolatry. And we know all about this story. Are we better than they, my friends? And even Joshua himself, before he died, he sinned against the Lord by making a treaty with the Gibeonites. He also failed to the failed to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate in it day and night. Are we better than he? Are we better than Joshua? And so we went on throughout the ages of the children of Israel. The law given on the mount was a burden and a yoke that neither the first generation 
nor their children were able to bear. No one, no one in the whole history of Israel in the Old Testament proved able to delight fully in this terrible, threatening law and to meditate on its precepts day and night. But if that is so, and we are no better than they, then are the blessings of this psalm forever denied to us? If it is up to us to earn these blessings through our own good works and delight in the law, then we cannot hope to see such blessings at all. Rather, we must have the grim expectation that the curses of this psalm are about to fall upon us. So one more time, if this psalm is about you or me, we are in great trouble, my friends. Because we have not avoided the sins described in this song. And we haven't been able to delight in God's law and take it, any, uh, take it from it any strength for righteousness. Rather, we have heard God's law and it has awakened sin in us. What shall we say, Paul asks in Romans 7? Is the law sin? And he replies, certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would, I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking the opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. So miserable creatures that we are if this psalm is about us because we will not be like a tree planted by rivers of water as the psalm describes how wonderful that would be and you understand the picture here that has been planted here in in the mid-east in israel the trees depend upon the rain which may come or not if it comes, they flourish. But if God withholds the rain, they wither and die. But a tree planted by a stream will not wither and die. With a constant supply of water, it will bear fruit and be strong and healthy. And in the same way, the righteous man will prosper before God. And will have no fear. But again, if we have sinned against God, how can these verse, how can that verse specifically describe us? We must rather believe that it will be like the chaff that the wind drives away. And so you can understand the picture again. When the farmers of Israel they, they harvested the wheat. 
they had to separate the kernel, which is the good part of the wheat, from the chaff, the bad part of the wheat that couldn't be eaten. So they crushed the wheat on large blankets. And that, and that way they got a blanket with a bunch of wheat and chaff mixed together. And how did they separate the both of them? They grabbed the blankets and tossed the whole thing in the air. The chaff which was light, we just got blown away by the wind. And the kernels, they, they were heavy, they just fell back. So the chaff just got blown away by the wind. The useless chaff was driven away by the wind, never to be seen again. And that's what we are if we don't walk in God's ways and meditate on his law. We will not be able to stand before God on the day of his judgment. He will drive us away like chaff. Our ways will not be acceptable before him. Only the righteous will remain in his presence in that day. So as we've seen, we are in trouble. Wretched people that we are, who will deliver us from this body of death? And for you who cry out this question, for me, who is crying out this question, I have good news. I finally have good news for you. This psalm is not about you, my friend. The psalm is about Christ. This psalm is about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ is the blessed man. Do you see it? Do you see how perfectly this psalm describes your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Christ is the blessed man. In Christ, we have a man who did not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Not once. In Christ, we have a man who did not stand in the way of sinners. Not once. In Christ, we have a man who did not sit in the seat of scoffers. Not once. Instead, the Lord Jesus delighted in the law of the Lord. The law did not terrify him. For he had no sin for the Lord to condemn the Lord, the, the Lord did not awaken his sinfulness, for he had no sinfulness for it to be awakened. He alone had clean hands and a pure heart. He alone could ascend the mountain of God and be in his presence, the presence of the Almighty without being consumed. Christ Jesus meditated in the law day and night. And he knew that it spoke of him. Christ then is the one who alone has merited the blessings spoken of. In verse 3 of our psalm, 
He alone earned the right to be like a tree planted by the streams of water, yielding fruit without withering leaves. He alone had the right to prosper. And yet, we read that Jesus was handed over to the chief priests and scribes. He was judged by sinners, both Jew and Gentile. He was delivered up to Pilate who condemned him to death, even though Pilate himself testified, I find no fault in this man. Does this sound like the prosperity and blessing that we have heard about? There we say it. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the cursed man spoken of in this psalm. He suffered in agony on the cross. He became like so much chaff that the wind drives away. On the cross, he underwent the judgment and the wrath of God with thundering and clouds and thick darkness. And he died. He died like a wicked man whose way has perished. So we see now that the curses of the psalm, they speak of Christ. Even though Christ himself did all the things that merit blessing. But then can we say that the whole psalm applies to Christ? Or must we say that even though he earned the blessings of the psalm, he received only the curses instead? And you know the answer. No. Absolutely not. Christ is not only the cursed man. He is the blessed man as well. Christ is for a time the cursed man. But he is the blessed man at last. Though he suffered the judgment in wrath of God. Though he died a cursed death and was buried. Yet he rose again on the third day. He rose again on the third day, my friends. He passed through judgment. He passed through the judgment of God. And he was raised to eternal life. And now he's alive forever. Death and judgment are behind him. God has declared him to be righteous by raising him from the dead. God has approved his way. And God has appointed him as the one who will stand in the day, in the day of judgment, judging all mankind. Therefore, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, they bring forth fruit 
in season, whose leaf does not wither. Everything he did has prospered. And everything he does will prosper. So my friends, truly and triumphantly, does this psalm speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But what then does this have to do with you and me? And it's time for me to review the best news of all. Best news of all. I know we started with bad news, but I have the best news of all now. This psalm is about you. And you are not in trouble. The psalm is about you. And you are not in trouble. And you might be thinking, well, Philip just lost his mind here. Von Norman right now asked him to come back. How can it be? Didn't we just finish saying that this psalm is not about you, but Christ? And before that, didn't we just say that if this psalm is about you, you are in trouble? And we proved that statement with terrifying examples from Scripture. How then we dare now to say that this psalm is about you after all and you are not in trouble. And my friends, we dare to make this claim because this psalm is not about you as you are in yourself. This psalm is not about you naked and defenseless before the wrath of God. A sinner just Deserving his wrath. The psalm is about you who hope in Christ. This psalm is about who you are in Christ. As Paul often tells us we are. This psalm is about you because it's about Christ. And Christ gives this psalm freely to you and to everyone who trusts in him. So if you have not yet trusted in him, trust in him now. Do not face this psalm alone. Do not face this psalm alone. Trust in him now but if you are in Christ and if you trust in Christ he has given this psalm to you by becoming the cursed man in your place we mentioned how even the curses of this psalm speak of Christ right Christ himself was like the chaff driven away by the wind Christ on the cross is like the wicked man suffering under the judgment of God. Yes, he is. But why did he do this? Why did he take on the suffering character? Why did he bear the wrath of God? And the answer is wonderful. For you. 
For you, he has done this. Christ did not deserve the awful torments on the cross. Christ did not merit the reward of the wicked. You are the one who deserved those punishments. I am the one who deserved it. But he has taken our sins on himself. The wrath of God that you had earned has been borne by Christ in your place. The judgment of God that should have come down on you has landed on his head. The death you and I deserved is the death he died. And now it is done. It is finished. Your sins are paid for. You are free. No longer this psalm can terrify you with warnings of judgment and descriptions of the horrors they await the wicked. Those terrible verses still speak of you, but they speak of you in the past tense. In Christ, you have already been like the wicked who cannot withstand God's judgment. In Christ, you have already been like the chaff that the wind drives away. In Christ at the cross, your judgment day has come already. In Christ, your foul, despicable, sinful ways have perished. At the cross, your sins have been put to death. And you have died to sin. So this psalm is about you. And you are not in trouble. Not only do the judgment parts of this psalm belong to you. As those who have passed through death. The blessing parts of this psalm. Belong to you as well. As those who have passed into eternal life. You know, God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Everything that Christ is. And everything that he has done belongs to you. He has taken you with him on this journey from death into life. So as surely as your sins were placed on him at the cross, so surely as his righteousness is given to you at his Resurrection. Hallelujah. On that day of resurrection. On that day of resurrection. God the Father. Declared his son. Jesus Christ. To be 
a righteous man. A man who merited prosperity in blessing, in reward. And you are now united to him by faith. So that prosperity and blessing and reward, they belong to you as well. Those treasures are kept safe in heaven for you. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our Lord declares in the Sermon of the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. It is not those who hunger and thirst. It is not those who have righteousness who will be satisfied. But those who lack it. And know they lack it. So they hear this first psalm. And they cry out. But I have no righteousness to offer to God. And oh how desperately I need it. So they hunger for the sort of righteousness that God approves. They are empty of it. And they need to be filled. So they thirst for this righteousness that it is acceptable. In God's sight. And they know that without it. They shall wither. And die. So to them. To us. Jesus says. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me. Shall never thirst. So to them. To us. Who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That we might be approved by God. Jesus says. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give. Will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him. Will become in him a fountain of water. Springing up into everlasting life truly in Christ the prophecy of Isaiah is abundantly filled everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat yes come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And so we say with the Apostle Paul, I count all things loss, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. That depends on faith. The righteousness of Christ. Is now your clothing. 
So you do not stand naked and ashamed before God. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And you are righteous in Christ. Therefore God knows your ways. And approves all them. For the ways of Christ belong to you. That you may not appear before God empty-handed. Now it is those who trust in Christ who will be like that tree. The prophet Jeremiah said as much as he waited for the day of Christ to come. So listen to what Jeremiah said. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Do you hear that? Good news, wonderful news for sinners like us. Good news for people like us who are unable to do any good or merit any blessing. Now blessing is offered freely to those who trust in Christ, to those who confess that they can do nothing and rely on Christ to do it all. And as we do this, we ourselves shall be like the tree described in Psalm 1. We ourselves shall be like Christ our Lord. Believe this, my friends. Believe this, brothers and sisters. Even though you suffer in this present life. Believe this, even though you, you should experience hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Believe this blessing is yours in Christ even when especially when you feel as though you are withering and becoming like chaff that the wind drives away for all such things conform you to the sufferings of Christ who suffered before you Therefore, as surely as you belong to Christ, so surely you will suffer with him. And as surely as you suffer with him, so surely you will be glorified with him. For he has already received the reward of the blessed man. And he keeps that reward safe in heaven for you. And now, and even now, in the midst of your sufferings, 
He gives you a taste of that reward which you receive by faith. So the blessing of God is yours already. And it will be revealed in its fullness in the last days. Just to conclude, so shall we say that all these things are true of us, even though we continue to walk in the counsel of the wicked and stand in the way of sinners and set in the way of scoffers. You know, God has prepared something better for us. He not only gives us the righteousness of Christ as a gift, He promises to conform us to their righteousness by more and more turning us from our sins and making us more like Jesus. God the Father will prosper the way of Christ so that Christ continues to be like a tree that bears fruit. He is the vine. We are the branches. So let us abide in him. And we will bear much fruit. For he will be the one bearing fruit through us. Cling to Christ. Trust in him alone. Do not look to your own strength for your own merits or your own abilities in any way. Christ alone is strong. Christ alone is able. Christ alone is worthy. So entrust yourself wholly to him and you will walk in his ways. Come to him. Come walk in obedience to Christ. But do not do this because you fear the threats of this psalm. That's not the point. Remember, those threats are in the past tense for you. You have passed through them already in Christ. And do not walk in obedience because you hope that by obedience you will gain the blessings of the psalm. Christ has already gained the blessings of the Son on your behalf. Every single one of them. So come and walk in obedience because you love Christ and you long to be like Him. Come and even there to delight in the law. The law has been defunged in Christ. It's no longer terrifying for you. For its terrors have already been born on your behalf at the cross. Now the law speaks of Christ, of his beautiful righteousness, of his perfect compassion. 
in awesome holiness. And all those things belong to you. So come to the law. And let the law bring you to Christ who has fulfilled the law. Let Christ be your meditation day and night. For in him the righteousness and wisdom and glory of God are perfectly and finally revealed. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. For Christ has become for you wisdom from God in heavenly counsel. Do not stand in the path of sinners. For Christ is your righteousness and calls you to walk in their righteousness. And do not sit in the seat of scoffers. For Christ has taken his seat at the right hand of God. In the heavenly places. And from there. He calls you out of this world. To set your minds. And hearts. On the things that are above. And this is no dead revelation. Which can only summon you to obedience. Christ. Is the living revelation. Of the righteousness. In wisdom and glory of God. And he not only calls you to obedience. He empowers you for it. Those are not empty words my friends. We have died to sin. And been made alive to righteousness. Believe it. And therefore turn your backs on sin. It no longer has any power over you. And therefore offer yourselves up as servants of righteousness in Christ. Love one another for Christ has loved you. Serve one another for Christ has served you. Be generous with one another for Christ has been generous to you. He has put his spirit in you. A spirit of love, of service, and of generosity. He has put the power of obedience in you. Which is this gospel which we now preach. And he has brought in a new creation and you have been made new creatures in Christ. Created for good works. And God himself has prepared those works for you. That you may walk in them. Amen.